Welcome to the Paradigm Shift on 4ZZZ 102.1, where we challenge the assumptions of our current society to resist oppression and investigate alternative ways of living for a world based on justice, solidarity, and sustainability. Welcome to the Paradigm Shift on 4ZZZ, 102.1 FM. That's the station you are tuned into. Hey, it's your local community, volunteer-run, not-for-profit radio station. Good on you for being a part of it by listening in. My name's Andy, and I'll be hanging out with you for the next hour on Jagger and Turable Country, acknowledging where um, the land we are broadcasting on. And we're going to be talking about protecting country today on the show, uh, although mostly we'll be talking about in New South Wales and the campaign to stop native forest logging in that state. In the last couple of years, we have seen native forest logging brought to an end or being uh, planned to bring to an end in the uh, near future in Western Australia and Victoria, two of the big states for cutting down these old-growth forests. And New South Wales could be next in line. There is a big campaign for it, and I think it is one of the most significant environmental campaigns in this country. One, because it's quite doable. Native forest logging runs at a loss. Every old-growth tree cut down costs the taxpayers of Australia money to do it. And so economically, there's a very good case for stopping native forest logging. But also, in terms of climate action, well, we know how unwilling and unable the Australian government is and the Australian industries are to taking meaningful climate action, well, in the case of forests, all you need to do to stand up for our climate is take meaningful climate inaction. Just stay home and it'll be a better result for the climate. You don't have to do anything. And so it's one of the... Um, the most important things that we can do to protect climate change is keep those carbon sinks in place and look after them, protect them, because they are drawing down the carbon out of the atmosphere to um, help keep our planet in a livable state and help keep us humans alive. And I think there's so many other reasons, as we will talk about in the course of the show, about biodiversity and things like that. But at a fundamental level also... Um, keeping our forests intact is about the question of whether the human species is able to coexist on this planet with other species or whether our existence means everything else has to live in permanent danger of being made extinct. And that's, that 
is really the question that we're talking about when we're saying, should we clear fell all our forests or not? Um, and so that's why I think that the campaign to stop native forest logging is extremely important. I've supported in other states, and if you have been listening to Paradigm Shift for a long time, you would have heard us talking about it with other states. And I think New South Wales, it is a very doable political aim. And, of course, we're in Queensland here, and so it's not necessarily in our power to contact New South Wales state politicians or anything, but we should be looking to support this. And Queensland has its own problems with land clearing, even though we don't have a native timber industry um, logging our forests. We actually clear more land than all the other states anyway, just for farming in this state. And so that's a separate issue that maybe we'll talk about another time. But um, again, it's about... Can we leave intact the Earth's life support systems that are there to help us? Um, so anyway, today on the show, I'm going to be talking with Tom from Bellingen Action Network. They have been blockading the clearing of forests in the Coffs Coast region of New South Wales. It's all been happening down there. And then I spoke to Sue Higginson, who was a forest blockader, then was the an environmental defenders office lawyer and now is a greens mp and is still working to protect the forest and so we had a chat about the reasons why protecting forests is so important so stay tuned in that's what's coming up and i have on the line here tom from bellingen action network hello there tom hi there how you going andy i'm very good uh Good to hear from you, and good to see that Bellingen Action Network have been um, true to the name and being active in recent times. Can you start off by telling us, for those who don't know here in Queensland, maybe where is Bellingen and what does Bellingen Action Network do? So Bellingen's on Gumbangia country, which is the mid-north coast of New South Wales, uh, also near Coffs Harbour is a bit of a landmark. Uh, the Bellingen Activist Network is about a year old and was started off the back of a lot of forest activists who've been doing blockades of the native forests around Gumbangia country. Uh, we had several successful blockades where we managed to stop Forestry Corporation from logging in those forests and decided we needed to be a bit more mobile and actually take up some other issues that weren't just forest-based. So uh, we've been getting stuck into to a lot of the forests that Forestry Corp are now trying to log since the announcement of the Great Koala National Park. And um, in the last few weeks, we've had uh, multiple tree fits, a couple lock-ons, and some really empowered community walk-ons as well. So it's really ramping up here, and um, and I guess we're growing in numbers as, as well as strength. So it's an exciting time to be part of the Bellingen Activist Network. Yeah. So... You just mentioned there the Great Koala National Park, and uh, it's interesting because normally the announcement of a national park leads to less logging, not more, but you have said that the logging has increased after the election of New South Wales Labor and their promise that they're going to turn some of that Gumbanga country into national park. That's right, yeah. So they promised a huge national park from Port Macquarie all the way up to Grafton um, to protect koalas. Um, linking many sort of state forests and existing national parks up. Um, problem is Forestry Corp and the contractors they employ now realising they're not going to get their hands on, on all that timber 
um, are basically coming in faster and more intensely to take the wood that is around. So, I don't know, inadvertently, Labour has kind of created this, like, mad, um, like, rush on, on the forest around here. So now 30% of of that Great Koala National Park is scheduled to be logged in the next six months. Obviously, in a year's time or two years' time, it might be protected as a national park forever. So it's sort of they're, they're just trying to smash and, and grab what they can. Um, so it's creating all sorts of problems. I think it's good to acknowledge that there's not universal support for the Great Koala National Park, especially from Skambangia landholders around here. They'd like to see the, the land return to them as custodians uh, and not just given to another government agency but um but yeah it's um which which i guess doubles the pain of the fact that they're now going to log it sooner and more intensely um we'd like to see an end to native forest logging all over new south wales and uh, all over the continent um so this is just this is just a kind of um a battle that's happening right now but it's it's got wide wider ranging implications for the native forest industry and people fighting to protect it so you mentioned there's been a couple of direct actions recently and I've seen some very high-spirited community walk-ons. What's been the effect of those actions? Uh, the usual, um, you know, pretty pretty aggressive contract loggers. Um, we've seen, you know, people being threatened and um, we've seen machines driven near the base of our tree sits and, and small sort of fallen trees swung against those trees. Um, you know, the cops have arrived and have been more than willing to arrest those locked on. Um, generally, with the community walk-ons, they've been really powerful. We've been getting between 20 and 30 people, so they haven't been able to move us on. Um, and we've kind of left of our own accord after a few hours when um, when it feels like they are about to start issuing fines and things like that. So we, um, yeah, I guess... We're doing all we can. We're, we're remaining non-violent. Doesn't mean we're peaceful. We're really mucking up the, the contractors' day, but we are doing everything we can within our small community to, to halt logging to affect their operations and just get people aware that these forests are being logged right right in their neighbourhoods. It's an interesting place that um, Coffs Hinterland, like Bellinger and Dorigo, um, in that there's incredible, beautiful forest there and there's a lot of people who are there because they love the nature, but there's also a sort of uh, conservative farmer element to the community. What's the broader feeling of the local community about um, this logging and about the actions? I mean, Bellingen overwhelmingly um, is opposed to native forest logging. The council passed a motion, only the second council to do so, that they'd like an immediate transition out of native forest logging, and that was backed by the community. There are some historical communities up on the plateau, such as Dorigo, that maybe maybe it's a bit split more down the middle. But I think people um, overwhelmingly know that there is work in plantations, there is there is transition plans, and, and the fact that the native logging industry is losing about $20 million a year or, or costing the taxpayer that much means that... Um, People aren't really supporting it in a financial sense. It's like a handout. So, um, yeah, I guess it's, it's, it's really a case that we're, we're not really employing people in the area in native forest logging. All the contractors come down from Grafton. There's a handful of um, sawmills that take native logs around here, but there's not actually any, any um, contractors or locals that are doing the clear felling or, or the felling in the forest. They all come from 
couple hours north to do this. So it's um yeah, it's it's you know, you when you when you're in Ballingin you see a lot of banners, a lot of bumper stickers and overwhelming opposition against native forest logging and um and that's starting to take off in Coffs Harbour as well now, although it is still a national seat, which complicates things. Mm. Now, I'm going to also speak to Sue Higginson on this show about the campaign to stop all native logging in New South Wales. How does the localised campaign there in Bellingen fit in with that broader goal and broader campaign? Yeah, I guess we're the, we're the pointy end of the movement. So um, although lobbying is important and there are things happening in in Parliament at the moment, there's you know they are going so fast and hard on these forests um you know it feels like a new forest gets proposed every day to be logged so i mean it's all taking a bit long if we're not there in the forest um slowing them down with walk-ons lock-ons if we're not there kind of highlighting that it's actually happening um behind these closed forest signs and these barricades then then it's just going to all be smashed by the time we actually get a real conversation going about ending it um, yeah, we, we, we feel it's important to give the community a way to take their power back and actually directly address these issues. And, and there's no better way to do that than the sort of direct action we've been seeing. Um, we've got a lot more planned in the next, in the next week or two um, as well. So we're very excited to kind of say, come and join us and um, come on a walk on, get yourself, get yourself ready to lock on if you're keen. And, um, yeah, come stand on the front line with your community and, and yeah, show that it's not okay that this is happening in 2023. All right. If people want to find out more about what's going on there, how can they do that? So you can look up the Bellingen Activist Network on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Uh, we've got a huge event next weekend as a fundraiser, which I think you're actually playing at, Andy. Um, Rumour has Down it. in Bellingen. Yeah, uh, called Forest Fest, so we're going to have sort of information there and a couple speakers as well as loads of good musos and uh, and a bit of a showcase of direct action um, past and and, um, and upcoming. So, yeah, social media is the way to get in touch, though. All right. Thanks very much, Tom. Thanks, Andy. Have a good one. Cheers, mate. Cheers. That was Tom there from the Bellingen Activist Network talking about their efforts to stop logging in the Coffs Coast there. And I'm now going to chat to uh, Sue Higginson about the campaign in general to stop um, native forest logging in New South Wales. I had a I had a, actually quite a long chat with Sue, so I've chopped out a bit, but I'll, I will give her a bit of an intro. She Sue Higginson was involved with NEFA, the North East Forest Alliance, North East of New South Wales, in the early 90s, which had some serious wins, some of the big uh, conservation wins in Australian history, really, um, in particular Chalundi National Park, um, and developed a lot of the tactics of... Um, tree sits and uh, tripods that have got uh, lock-on pipes really put them into practice and that have gone on to be used in so many other campaigns. She then was involved with the Environmental Defender's Office for a long time and is now with the Greens in Parliament and so uh, has looked at all different parts of the um, political system of how to enact change and we did have an interesting chat about the different elements and the value of them all. But 
I'm going to jump straight into this part of the interview here, talking about the campaign to stop native forest logging in New South Wales. So let's talk about the Greens' plan to end native forest logging, which, as we just said, it doesn't just belong to the Greens. I guess there's been lots of community groups, environmental groups, and everybody who's been uh, working on this in New South Wales and around the country. Um, but can you give us a brief outline of, you know, what the a plan to end native forest logging in New South Wales would look like? Absolutely. So you're you're right, hundred percent right. This is this is not actually the Greens' plan. This is just the policy of the Greens because, um, like, what the Greens more often than not do is we develop our policy through grassroots engagement and it's through grassroots a grassroots democracy democratic process that our policies are developed and what we find through that process is our policies are based on science and evidence and justice in terms of what the community what communities and particularly those at the forefront of issues who have done all of the work in terms of making the case for the policy, um, that's what our job is as the Greens. That's what we do. So the case to end native forest logging, we know in no uncertain terms from an evidence perspective has been made. We know that economically, and I'll, I'll start with the economics and just push that one through because we know that right now, logging the public native forest estate in New South Wales is costing taxpayers a lot of money. The last two years alone, financial return years, um, as in being audited and accounted for, we lost $28 million in logging the public native forest estate. One calculation of that is it costs the taxpayer around about $417 in losses, so costs, um, per hectare to log the public native forest estate. Um, we know in those two financial years in New South Wales, there was also around $80 million in subsidies that the industry benefited from. So that $28 million in loss is harvesting and haulage costs alone. The $80 million in subsidies was uh, claimed to be in response to the fires and the floods to assist the industry. Um, naturally, every industry gets disaster response adjustments and assistance, uh, but these are just the raw figures. That's what it's costing. And those audited reports actually provide the diagnosis and the prognosis that that economic situation is not likely to improve in the short or medium term. So from an economic perspective, we know that we really should not continue logging our public native forest estate. And, you know, if you want another economic kind of translation in sort of political ideological terms, we know that the former Liberal government of New South Wales actually had developed a plan to end logging native forests in New South Wales a couple of years ago, but they couldn't get that plan through the nationals. And we know, you know, that's the cultural element of the Liberal National Coalition when we're looking at forestry. That's been going on for a long time. The National Party claims to be the party of the loggers and those, you know, workers, those timber industry workers. So, um it's interesting in that economic lens. We also know the case to end our public native forest logging 
from a biodiversity perspective was made a long time ago. We can correlate that so clearly to the fact that the forest-dependent species that rely on, um, you know, healthy forests are the ones that are the highest on the list in terms of on the rapid, slippery slope to the dark bottom, which is extinction, of course. And, you know, we're talking about... Um, greater gliders, yellow belly gliders, the owls, the glossy cockatoo, black cockatoos, koalas, the animals, uh, and then, of course, all those ground-dwelling mammals, those, um, you know, these ancient species, they're literally the ones on the brink of extinction. They're the ones that are harbouring in their refugia, and which is our public native forests, um, and they're not actually able to live elsewhere so um and that's only that element of biodiversity i won't go into the plants and the other elements of biodiversity in terms of um the greater broader ecosystem services that these forests and i know some people find that language a bit controversial so the benefits the values etc that we obtain from our forests we know that we're looking at clean water healthy soils rainfall, uh, drought-proofing regions, and, of course, landscape stability and resilience. These are the very things that um, the forests provide. And then, of course, uh, and the, the, you, know, you can extrapolate those values in really quantifiable terms, so agricultural benefits uh, and so on. Uh, the case for all of this in terms of um, the ecosystem that science is well and truly been in and the jury returned the verdict a long time ago in terms of protecting these forests. And actually not, remember, we're not just in our plan, we're not just talking about protecting forests, we're actually talking about regenerating them because the fact is our forests are in quite an unhealthy state at the moment because of over 200 years of intensive logging and management. So we've actually got to recover our forests. But the other two I'll mention, just in terms of the case, um, and what the policy is based on and what the community is calling for. The other two aspects, one is fire. And we know post-2019, 2020, um, we assessed our forests, public native forests, and 40% of the forests were really significantly damaged by fire, not just fire, intensive hell-raising fire. And the studies that have been undertaken post-fire by forest science ecological experts from the Australian National University We've seen some very, very good research and data now, peer-reviewed, that is showing that the more we log our the more we log our forests, the more we make our public native forests susceptible to increased um, frequency and intensity of fire. So that is a real element and a really loud ringing alarm bell, because obviously we know. We are walking into more fire and we know how unsafe we're making communities around the, um, the forest communities and the landscape more broadly by not um, allowing these forests to be more fire resistant. We're making them less fire resistant and actually more fire dangerous every time we log them. And then the last part of the um, case is climate change. We know that our forests are one of our main um, main tools 
in the defence box of defending ourselves and assisting us in dealing with the um, with climate change, both the impacts that we're experiencing now of climate change and the future impacts as we know the the elements of climate change that are locked in, the things that we, we don't actually have control over, even if we stopped all emissions right now. So, um, and we know that forests are literally one of their functions and roles is to draw down and store carbon. They are carbon sequesterers. They are the best at doing that job. We know that um, older forests and forests manage well and healthier forests are the most effective and efficient when um, in terms of their role in carbon sequestration. And we also know, so in New South Wales alone, we, we've got the reports in and we've seen those reports and... Uh, you know, we're talking about millions of tonnes of carbon. Um, putting that in an economic value, we're talking about $2.7 billion worth of carbon savings between now and 2050 if we stop logging the public native forest this year and based on the price of carbon per tonne right now, which is very cheap. You're looking at about 35 38 bucks a tonne of carbon. That's in the... Um, that's, I've kind of done that calculation again in the economic lens as opposed to the actual carbon units end. But, um, you know, it's fundamental. We stop chopping down these incredible trees right now. We actually start increasing their capacity to sequester and draw down and store carbon. And on that front, the government's own independent agency, the Natural Resources Commission, that advises on matters, including forest health, they put out a report in the last quarter of last year, I think it was about August, they tabled a report in the New South Wales Parliament. And one of the most alarming lines in that report for me, or components of that report, was when they actually said we really need to start looking at the future management. I would say the current management, but they said the future management of our forests because these forests, if we don't, will actually become carbon emitters rather than carbon sequesterers in the coming decades. Now, somebody who's been engaged in forest management, forest science and forest law for over 30 years... When I read those lines and I read those conclusions in that report, I actually felt quite frightened. Imagine, imagine, and the translation of that is imagine these incredible, incredible natural assets, and again, I'm using this language, um, these incredible um, ecosystems that are life-giving, life-supporting, actually becoming something we have to live in fear of actually to me that was frightening so that's why we have and we are saying to the new south wales government right now and all and sundry we need to do this this is not a political matter this is above politics this is way transcends politics this is about our lives this is about the planet and this is about a sensible thing to do right now and not a day too soon. Mm. Now, you've mentioned the economics there that economically it would be good to just stop with nothing, you know, <laughs> we lose money off every uh, log, you know, that's cut down from native forest. But you do, there is a plan for a transition economy um, and it's not that many workers employed in the industry. But one of the things I'm interested in is that timber is 
a sustainable building material and we probably should be looking at building more things out of timber if we can in the future. I mean, is there a possibility of still having uh, in, and increasing the timber industry through uh, plantations and things like that? My word. Oh, my goodness, yes, absolutely. I mean, look, you know, we're, we're actually a remarkable and clever people when we want to be and when we all come together and when we properly properly centre and uh, First Nations knowledge and we let that knowledge lead in terms of landscape management. Um, what we know is we're actually great at growing things uh, when it's done properly and we're great at reaping harvests when it's done properly and it's done in concert with the natural environment. And the same two years that the Forestry Corporation in New South Wales lost $28 million and spent $80 million in subsidies on the hardwood sector, we returned um, 90, $94 million from the plantation sector. So $47 million bucks per year out of those two years we returned from the plantation sector in New South Wales. So we're actually going gangbusters already in that field in terms of economics and let's look at that in terms of product outcome um our plantations are actually delivering around about 87 percent of the high-end timber products and i'm talking products that are building homes the construction industry and those high value sector we are literally pulling our forests and extracting them to the ground and deep diminishing their them so much so for products such as wood chips making paper fence posts and firewood some telegraph poles um, and girders and things like that products that we can actually be getting from other places for a period in terms of the public native forests and whether we're managing them sustainably etc um, and whether there's a sector to continue that side of the industry. Unfortunately, that ship sailed 30 years ago. Points Because, sorry, the other final product that does come out of the hardwood um, industry part of the sector at the moment is some of that real, real high-end net value products such as really bespoke timber products like flooring, stuff that people can't actually afford realistically, you know, um, in terms of addressing the um the needs the timber value needs so there's a, a bit of an equity thing in that but even that side of things now you can get that from some of the hardwood plantations that do exist so there's just no need um absolutely the transition we're talking about a thousand possible workers um across the whole estate new south wales we have some good economic analysis independent economic analysis about what it would cost to transition those that workforce and let's be real rather than walking them off the edge of the cliff because the timber resources are running out in our public forest every 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 cut is getting smaller and smaller um and so um rather than running this workforce off the edge of the cliff a fair just and timely transition should have started years ago but if we were to start now we've costed that at around about 30 million a year for the next 10 years so it's around about 280 mil uh, would do that and when you add that up the cost benefit analysis is 
don't wait a day, just get on with this and actually let's work with these workers um, and transition them um, and get these people in jobs that are no longer in a conflict environment, a land use conflict environment, jobs where, you know, we're talking about some highly skilled machine operators, etc. There's a bunch of we know there's a load of work that this, these workers could be transitioned into. So in that sense, Timber is an incredible product. It's a beautiful resource. We know that even when we, it comes to the structural needs of timber, most of that at the moment and the innovation around that is moving from these giant poles that we used to once see coming out of the forest, which just don't exist anymore. They're not there anymore. We've gone. We've run out of that resource. We're now looking at engineered timber. And there's a load of innovation. And it's a jobs-rich industry as well. Those kind of engineered timbers, those laminated timbers, those incredible timber products. A lot of uh, ingenuity goes into that and it's all jobs-rich environment you can look at the south go to tumut and look at some of the manufacturing that's happening around those timber products in the softwood sector and it's a really really kind of vibrant happening um sector that's the future that's actually the present and that's where we should be focused okay so let's talk about politically how this happens now you've mentioned that the new south wales liberals were looking into it themselves of course they're hamstrung by um their the national party and its uh corporate interests but they're not also not in government anymore and you have a labor uh government in new south wales so um and labor governments in both west australia and victoria have um announced an end to native forest logging there what does the political process look like from here um so we've got a labor government that didn't and doesn't have a policy of ending native forest logging. Um, we have a government that went to the election saying that they would create a great koala national park and end the logging of the public native forest estate as part of that great koala national park. So we've got work, we've got uphill work. However, I know that we do have um, a minister who, an environment minister who understands this predicament you know, that's our work. Our work is to continue to work with this government. We saw what happened in WA. We saw what happened in Victoria. We know it's inevitable. The politics knows it's inevitable. Now, the rub of all of this is that this Labor government is a minority Labor government. It hasn't got a full majority. And right now, we are building an alliance within the parliament, which is speaking to the incredible alliance outside the parliament. That alliance inside the parliament is arguing to end logging of the public native forest estate. There is a fantastic instability in the current government right now, and that's what a healthy democracy looks like. We know that um, because these urgent issues can be agitated and get a particular focus on the kind of political justice spectrum. There are people out there that genuinely are convinced that it's okay to keep logging this public native forest estate. They're not engaged at the ecological landscape level and that the, the, the health 
the forest health level. Because let's face it, it is a complex, it's a complex area. Not many people are in the position, or not all people are in the position where they understand that a, a forest is not a stand of trees where machines can go in and out and some trees growing back is a forest. You know, to understand what a forest is in terms of its health and its vibrancy and its life-giving qualities and its multi-layered canopies and its functions together where animals can live and thrive and that's a forest and that's what, you know, that's what we're talking about in terms of the public native forest estate. That's what we need to do. We need to stop destroying it. But we also need to recover it and again make it back. So, so the, the, there is it, it, it's it's a lack of understanding as well that is behind the politics of the day. But can we do this? My word, we can. And will we do it? Absolutely. It's not a matter of if; it's a matter of when. And right now, that's the very thing that we are working inside and outside the parliament to to, to bring on. And again, not a day too soon can this happen. All right. Thanks very much, Sue. Thanks so much, Andy. You are listening to 4ZZZ, the paradigm shift for a few more minutes anyway. We were speaking with Sue Higginson about the many reasons to end native forest logging in New South Wales. Again, it's not quite our local uh, campaign issue here, but I do think that in terms of climate action and environmental protection, it is one of the most pressing campaigns in this country going on right now. And so that's why I wanted to talk about it on the show today and get the word from people working in the political sphere and people working on the ground, getting into that forest and standing in front of the bulldozers and things like that uh, at Bellingen Activist Network, as we were speaking to earlier. That's about all we have time for on The Paradigm Shift. See you next week.